Hello everyone you're listening to the broadcast I'm Shrinidhi Rajan interviewing Andrea Epoleto Before I begin I would just like to give a quick introduction about Andrea She is the executive director of the engineering management program at Cornell University and she is also the founder of the startup Simply Fed which deals with infant nutrition I'm so excited to have you here So thrilled to be here thanks so much for having me As an international student and a product management aspirant I would like to begin this with a few questions related to graduate students venturing into product management So most of the aspiring product managers like me and also coming from an international background we have diverse industrial and cultural backgrounds What is your advice to students like me to make ourselves relevant to the US market That's a great question and there's a lot that you can do both with experiential learning as a graduate student or undergraduate student depending on what type of student you are. So one thing that you can do is engage in as many class projects as you can so that you get real um learning and real world settings and ideally that you can collaborate with industry partners that way you can infuse those learnings onto your resume and more importantly you have true examples of experiences that you've had in the product management realm so what does that look like in practice you can work with a company and perhaps design a key performance indicator or KPI dashboard maybe you can practice your sql query skills so sql is such an important a uh, tool and knowledge uh, and understanding to have going into a product management role so experiential learning through projects is one Secondly is to further build your skills in areas that are important uh, for product managers to have. So first is working with customers and understanding customers needs. So uh, getting as many experiences as possible that show that you have uh, relevant experience with working yeah. with customers understanding their needs. I already mentioned SQL. Um often as a product manager, they like to have students that have a computer science background. Yeah. It's okay if you don't have one, but if you're an engineer to continue to build your technical skills, but build your familiarity with those uh computer programming skills so that you have credibility going yeah. into your interviews and then of course when you're working as a product manager. Yeah. Maybe it's taking a class in SQL. Um I spoke with a product director last week and she said that students should demonstrate that they have data analytics skills. Yeah. Data analytics is such a great entry level or entryway into a product management role, so yeah. building out your data analytics skills is another one. Yeah. So think about the experiences you can build during your grad uh, school time yeah. and so that you can infuse those into your resume and then of course talk about them during interviews to yeah. land your ideal product management role. about it so on the same lines for students who do not have a prior work experience related to product management but found product management interesting through the courses and sessions what's your advice and what other career paths do you recommend for them One thing you can do is just building on what I've previously talked about is, you know, infuse in as much practical experience as possible. Yeah. So whether that's through course projects, maybe you can do an internship in person or virtual internship with a PM firm and you can do it perhaps for course credit. Yeah. This is a great way to continue to build your experience. Mm -hmm. Another thing to think about is that In general it is hard to penetrate the product management market but what you can do is start in some of the gateway roles to product management. 
So one of those roles is as a computer programmer or as an engineer. So that's one gateway. Another is a product analyst or business analyst. So often a product or business analyst will be assigned to a product team Mm -hmm. and you help support the product manager. So if you're in an entry level role, this is a great place for you to start. And what they look for in a product analyst is someone that has strong data analytics knowledge set and tools and understanding and Mm -hmm. practical experience in that. So classes and other internships are helpful there. Um, And also someone that is comfortable speaking with customers and understanding customers' needs. And so I would say product or business analyst is a great entry-level role, Mm -hmm. um, if not coming in as an engineer or computer programmer. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, And out of curiosity, you just got into product management before it actually came into trend, even before yours where other people were familiar about what a product management is. How did you figure out this career path by yourself? When I was in graduate school, I found about a product management role at a health IT firm um, that eventually actually ended up acquiring a startup that I co-founded, but that's a separate story. And what I learned is that a product manager is someone that has experience working with customers and yeah. designing products that customers love, um, has great experience with strategy and stakeholder management. And those were all areas that I had experience in or familiarity with, with as a graduate student. Yeah. And so I learned about this role through informational interviews and also through the on-campus recruiting process. Okay. And I went through you know, the multiple stages of the interview process and I found out this was a great fit for me okay. um, because I was able to take some past experiences that I have and translate that into the product management role. So I would say PM or product management was very much coming up the into vogue then mm-hmm. and so it was nice to uh, take advantage of that opportunity yeah uh, also i have a question based on your startup uh, all of us get many exciting ideas in our everyday life how did you get this idea of your startup simply fed and why did you choose to implement this particular idea so the way i got this idea for simply fed is one of the i would say the more popular ways that startups get founded Mm -hmm. is based on my own personal experience. So when my daughter May was born, she was born early and she was born underweight and I wasn't producing enough. And so this showed to me that there were a lot of people just like me. And Mm -hmm. so we had to use infant formula. And while infant formula had everything my daughter may needed to thrive and survive, I realized there was a gap between infant formula and breast milk. So what we're doing at Simply Fed is using citizen science approaches to better understand what's happening with infant diet and the impact mm-hmm. of infant diet on infant health. Yeah. And we're gonna use those insights to develop new products. So we are in the early stages of that product development. And so the way I founded that company is based on my own Best personal experience, yeah. which is a common way. Um, just like being a good product manager, it's all about knowing your customers. And so what I did is once I had that idea or that intuition, um, myself and my team members, we went out and interviewed a whole bunch of people uh, across the, the U.S. to understand and validate our hypotheses surrounding yeah. the pain point we were solving yeah. with our idea. So this shows how much you have personally connected yourself with the product. So, uh, you also wear multiple hats, like you are a mother of a two-year-old, you are a working professional and also an entrepreneur. How do you manage to do this successfully everywhere? 
Yeah, this is a great question. Well, first off, let me just say that I'm very, very, very lucky. I have a ton of support infrastructure, whether that's we have a wonderful daycare here at Cornell. I have four wonderful grandparents, my parents and my husband's parents that help support us. Uh, I mean, frankly, we have two great jobs that allow us to um, be home at night and on the weekends and we can, you know, afford babysitters. So it, um, I have to say that because we're very lucky and privileged and not everyone is as lucky. And so um, we have a lot of support infrastructure that help me manage that. I think there's bigger opportunities for things like paid leave so that parents, um, both moms and dads, have opportunities to stay at home with their kids, kids. during their first year of life. So that's something that needs to change. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I'm very lucky here because we have quite a flexible work environment. If I need to go out in the middle of the day to take my daughter maid to the doctors if she's sick, um, we have a very flexible work environment here. And, more and more companies are creating flexible work environments where um, parents can work different hours or they can uh, work remotely, but more companies need to evolve. And yeah. so a culture at companies isn't just about ping pong tables and having you know, free coffee or beer on tap. Uh, culture at companies is about creating flexible work environments to attract and retain the best possible workforce yeah. and 50% of workforces are women and we need to and we need to do more to retain and engage women um, and in particular retain them as they get into leadership levels and yeah. the way they do that when they have young kids is to create flexible work environments. Got it. Yeah. Uh, also I have a follow-up question on your startup. So I'm very aware that as a part of MIT student organization Hacking Medicine, uh, you also co-edited and your startup Smart Scheduling, which was later acquired by Athena Health, that was also a part of a result of the Hacking Medicine event. How would you have approached your current startup differently if not for your background in medicine? Would that change the way you have implemented it currently? Well. Yeah, thanks for asking that. So I don't actually have a background in medicine, but I have a background as a biomedical engineer, and and um, I was around uh, healthcare settings a lot. So what I would say is that oftentimes people's um, experience as an entrepreneur it takes a few tries, yeah. and so the most successful startups, if you look at the founders, often it's their you know, second, third, fourth, sometimes even fifth or sixth yeah. try at a startup. And yeah. so for me, I'm taking those learnings from smart scheduling um, and applying it to Simply Fed and. It, when you're an entrepreneur, it's all about building muscles and building experiences, making mistakes and, and learning from those mistakes. And mistakes as a standalone thing aren't helpful, but mistakes that you learn from and can evolve from are such powerful tools. And so we need to celebrate mistakes and we also need to celebrate failure as long as there's learning that comes from that. Um, and having founded a company or co-founded a company before that those learnings I can take to the next company that I co-found. Yeah. Uh, initial step of any new product is a market research and there are several ways to do it like conducting surveys, focus groups, field trials, user interviews and so on. So for products or, or projects that deal with private information like behavior, preferences or even health in your case, what is the best means of market research you suggest? 
So there's a number of different ways that you can conduct user and market research. So you mentioned a couple of them. Um, I think surveys and focus groups um, are good uh, from a superficial standpoint because they can help bring you in the right direction or show where there's maybe open areas. But the danger with surveys is that you get a lot of like um, on the surface or superficial answers, a lot of, you know, uh, data that you know, pick a drop down or maybe yeah. scoring, but you don't get to understand the meat of what the customer's needs and wants are. Uh, same thing with focus groups to a certain extent. There's a lot of group think that can happen with focus groups. So I find um, the best way to conduct user market research is by having one-on-one -on -one conversations with your users and customers yeah. and interviewing them with open-ended questions. So tell me about your last experience in XYZ. What products or services have you bought in the past to deal with that issue? That mm -hmm. question is such a powerful question because it's uh, based in real data. So yeah. instead of asking your customer or user to speculate, if I had a magic wand, what would this <laughs> look like? That's speculating and it's not grounded in reality. Yeah. Instead, turn that question around to how are you currently solving this problem? What hacks are you doing? Yeah. Um, what are past products that you've purchased? I like to tell the story of my dad at our um, house, whenever we'd be away from our house that's on uh, it's our, my parents' second home, um, they, he would have a webcam that was pointed to the thermometer. And it was okay. one of those you know, old school like analog thermometers. Yeah. And it was his way of making sure that the pipes didn't freeze yeah. um, if, if it got too cold. And he was doing this for years, and then Nest came out with their ability to, you know, change the temperature remotely and their smart thermostats. And so that's a great example that if you had interviewed my dad and asked, tell me what you're doing to help control the temperature of your house, you would have learned about that hack that he was doing, which yeah. makes him a great candidate for, you know, the Nest thermometer. And so user interviews are a great way to go deeper underneath the surface, pretend, and now that I have a toddler, I can say this, um, pretend you're a toddler and ask the five whys. Why is it that way? And keep digging why, why, why till you get to the root cause. Yeah, I perfectly agree with this. Like to uh, share the personal information, get intricate information, user interviews are the best means. Like, but how do you overcome the advantages of mass research techniques? Like you can cover a large number of people. It's less time consuming. So how do you plan to overcome these advantages with user interviews? What are your suggestions on that? So there is this misconception that you want to do mass user interviews uh, with entrepreneurship and with product management. It's important to start with who is the customer that has the most urgent need. Um, and this is especially true when you're an entrepreneur. And you need to start with who has the most urgent need because frankly, you don't have a ton of resources. Mm -hmm. And so you want to target the customer segment, the user that has the most urgent need, that has this hair on fire need because they have a high willingness to pay. Um, this user also is willing to take a risk on a product that's maybe not fully baked mm -hmm. and that's an early prototyping stage and they can be an evangelist for your product. Yeah. And so starting with the, the most niche, uh, most urgent need customer segment is the way to start. And then from there you can scale, but yeah. it most effectively use your resources. So doing one-on-one -on -one user interviews help you identify who that niche user or research is. Mm -hmm. It's important to do market research in the background just to understand the different trends of um, different segments and also to understand where technology is going. Um, but I find the most powerful tool of these user interviews. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you. That's a great piece of advice. 
and since you had an experience of being a product manager and also an entrepreneur i would like to ask you this question like an entrepreneur is related with a product right from its ideation to its completion as a market fit a product manager is similar to an entrepreneur in most of the cases but when as a product manager when you are put into a team when it's midway through its implementation how do you plan foresee and build a product roadmap Yeah, so there's a number of different tools you can use to help with this. So mm-hmm. in a product roadmap, you want to include the list of user stories that you hope to build out over time. Um so there is a number of operating rhythms that you can use. Maybe you're a fan or your team uses Agile where you have a product backlog which is a list of all your user stories, stories. that you need to or your goals to build and then perhaps you have a uh, 1 to 2 to 3 week or 4 week depending on what your organization chooses sprints mm-hmm. and at the beginning of every sprint you identify and prioritize the user stories that you're going to develop or design during that say 2 week sprint and you put those in your sprint backlog so those are now the list of user stories that you're going to build over that 2 week sprint period and then over time what you do is prioritize and deprioritize things based on feedback you're getting from customers with your product yeah. or maybe the market has changed or you're seeing great growth in XYZ segment so you mm-hmm. need to prioritize risk maybe um something's not working and you need to sunset a piece of your product so then you would deprioritize those user stories yeah. so that's one way Um a second way is you can use um and these are not mutually exclusive. You can use uh, objectives and key results or OKRs. Mm-hmm. Um John Doerr has made this a lot more popular with his book and he's a famous venture capitalist from Silicon Valley. Uh he wrote a book Measure What Matters and he's a big promoter of OKRs. and what objectives are these are the qualitative aspirational goals so improve uh your customer experience could mm-hmm. be an example of an objective and then underneath each objective you have very quantitative key results so yeah. these might be increase uh or improve net promoter score um by 20% for those that don't know what a net promoter score yeah. is it's um would your customer recommend your product to someone else and so that's uh called your net promoter score whether someone would recommend and so these are quantitative metrics um or key results that you can measure as part of your objectives um yeah. so those that's another tool that you can use um but you want to be constantly monitoring your product and what's out there and how it's being used with your users and customers yeah. um by using these key performance indicators or KPI yeah. and those can help then figure out where there's opportunities for improvement with your user experience or opportunities to generate more revenue mm-hmm. and so those then would also get layered in to generate more user stories to add to your product roadmap yeah thank you that's a great suggestion So uh I also have a question like in a big company where the product managers have the chance to fail and get back again because the company is already established uh, when you are a part of a startup or a scale up and you're bound to succeed in the first or in the first few attempts what is your advice to hit it right especially for young product managers I would say that you want to make sure that you've done your research with your customers and you've done it in a rigorous way through hypothesis testing. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing as a product manager is your hypothesis testing. You are doing hypothesis testing through user interviews. So you yeah. might have a hypothesis on who your customer segment is and what value you're providing. You also might do hypothesis testing with your KPIs. So you might 
be putting out your product and then be looking for uh, annual recurring revenue or probably monthly recurring revenue of your startup because you're you're focused more in the near term. Yeah. And so you need to hypothesis test on what your product is doing out there and then test it through your KPIs. So it's both through user interviews and your key performance indicators. And so that's the best way to stay on top of how your product is doing. Um, also doing usability tests before it goes live. And you know the more usability tests, the better so that you can, can continue to improve upon your product. And, and so it's designed in a way that it, um, it delights customers and it's easy to use. Uh, Apple's famous for this. They will user test so many different products yeah. um, and just time and time and time again so that they de develop a product that brings the best possible experience to customers and users. Thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you and I'm pretty sure that the product management intricacies you shared and how the graduate students have to venture into product management here in US and your experience with the startup would be helpful for everyone exploring product management. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you.